You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone. This is Jeff Ellis of, uh, well, I guess right now, just the Locked On uh, Podcast Network. And if you were like me, you probably spent the last few hours watching the NFL Draft. And I thought in honor of the NFL Draft, we would look at the greatest draft in Indians history, the 1989 baseball draft, a very odd draft. Uh, it has some repercussions that lead into the 1990 draft, which is a not so good draft. I mean, there's just a lot of weirdness in general around this time with the Indians and drafts. Um, I, I'll well, for instance, let's talk about the 1987 draft real quickly. The first player the Indians took in the 1987 MLB draft was Albert Bell. Now, he was a second rounder who had already at that point gotten into a little bit of trouble in college. He was still known as Joey. And if you're like, wait, he's their first pick. And you said they took him in the second round. Uh, why didn't they have a first rounder? Um, and if you're curious, it was the 15th pick in the second round. He does have the best, uh, highest war. He has a higher war than pretty much the entire rest of this class, second round class combined. Not exactly, but close enough. Dave Burba. If you're curious, let off the second round to the uh, the Mariners. It's because the Indians did not have a first-round pick that year. They gave up the 15th overall pick. Um, players of note taken after 15, Craig Biggio, Travis Fryman. Uh, that's pretty much it. Uh, Pete Harnish. We'll give Pete Harnish some love. He had a, some high peak values. Uh, Mike Remlinger had some... Had a good run. Uh, Jack Armstrong would eventually come and pitch for the Indians. But the Indians didn't have a first-rounder because they decided to sign Rick Dempsey, a catcher. Now, if you wanted to know uh, what he did in 1986 for Baltimore, he played in 122 games, had 382 at-bats, had a 208 average, a 309 on base, a 379 slugging, and a 689 OPS. Uh, he would come to Cleveland for one year at age 37 and play in 60 games, have 170 at-bats, and somehow the entire stat line got worse. So it's a different game, but that's that's why drafts are kind of odd at the time because the Indians signed a essentially a backup catcher, and it cost them the 15th pick in the draft. Now the odds of them doing something with that pick, who knows what they would have done. Uh, though they did, again, they were quite successful in the round in round two of that year. But we don't know what would have happened with a first rounder. So I just bring that up so we can dive into the interesting case of the 1989 draft, which, as stated, is the greatest draft in Indians history. The Indians have the 11th overall pick that year. And you're probably thinking... Oh, well, they must, if this is the greatest draft in Indians history, they must have really done well. Well, no. You might think that you would be wrong. Because with the 11th overall pick, they drafted uh, Calvin Murphy, who is, I should say Calvin Murray, who uh, would later go on to be a, I think the 8th overall pick three years later uh, to the San Francisco Giants. He would go to University of Texas and be a fantastic player there. Uh, never really accounted for much in the majors. At this point, maybe more well-known for being the uncle of Kyler Murray. Uh, but Calvin, uh, the Indians were unable to sign him. So he went to college, and the Indians didn't get anything for the having the 11th overall pick in the draft that year. 
Uh, Montreal, who had the 10th overall pick, drafted Charles Johnson, who they were unable to sign. Uh, players who had a value of eight or more in war taken in the first round after those two failures to sign. Uh, you have Cal Eldred, Tom Goodwin, Mo Vaughn, Chuck Knobloch, and Todd Jones. So, a mixed bag in there, but still, the Indians took, uh, took a player who they were unable to convince to not go to college. Uh, the next year, in 1990... So they had the 11th overall pick. We already stated this. Because they failed to sign the ele- sign the 11th overall pick, they got a compensation pick. Uh, not like how it is today where they would get the 12th pick in the draft. The 12th pick in the 1990 draft, by the way, was uh, Todd Ritchie. Uh, you have Jeremy Bernitz at 17, Mike Mussina at 20, Steve Carsey at 22, Rondell White at 24. Uh, in terms of first-rounders who had a eight-war or greater after that. The Indians actually had the eighth overall pick that year, and with that pick, they took Tim Costo. Yeah, if you're struggling to remember him, it was a rather unremarkable uh, career for him. He was coming out of the University of Iowa. I should dig out the numbers and look at that. It can be hard to find those early college numbers, the early 90s college numbers, but... uh, you know, probably the biggest name on the board was Todd Van Poppel, who had a big fastball and nothing else and huge salary demands that eventually allowed him to make it to the athletics at 14, where he really didn't turn into much. But uh, Carl Everett at 10 to the Yankees ended up being a, another high-value player. But just to go back to the 89 draft, so the, they turned the 11th overall pick into the 39th overall pick. Um, and they took Sam Hentz who was clearly an athlete because there's not a whole lot on him. But what I did dig up on Sam Hens is that he held the state record in the 200-yard dash in Mississippi, that he was uh, just a, clearly a great athlete, but uh, he couldn't hit a baseball. Uh, he struggled in the minors. He was almost from the get-go a part-time player. Uh, most games he ever, he ever appeared in was 96 over his six-year run in the Indians minors. Uh, yeah, that's not ideal. So that, that's your first-round pick, and it comes a year later, and it's a guy who never even gets to double-A. The Indians failed to have a second-round pick in 89, and again, this is the greatest draft in Indians history. I'm just reminding you, we'll get to the good parts uh, more than likely after the break. Now, they didn't have a second-round pick uh, in this draft because they signed Jesse Orozco. Uh, the Dodgers, who inherited the Indians' pick in the second round, took Bill Lott, Billy Lott out of Petal High School. He never reached the majors. Uh, second round was Brian Hunter is the top player. Uh, and then Joe Graw, who I am not even familiar with. And your third-best war... Wow. Um, I'm just trying to find someone who isn't negative at this point. Uh, Brent Bowers. There you go. They're best, Brent Bowers. But signing Jesse Orozco cost them a second-round pick. We had already talked about Dempsey a few years ago, who was 37 when they signed him. The Indians loved to sign older players. Uh, Orozco was, uh, was 32 at the time. He would still pitch for another 14 years in the majors. 
Uh, he would retire at age 46, after the age of 46 from baseball, appearing in, uh, he, he uh, is the all-time uh, career record holder in uh, games play, pitched, I guess. Just games, it's in bold on baseball reference, at 1,252. And Orozco would pitch in Cleveland in 89, 90, and 91. And he was uh, serviceable. Um, when you look at the value of what happened in there, it's actually not the worst signing. Uh, Bill Lott, or I should say Billy Lott, it is interesting when you look at him and Sam Hens, who the Indians would take the next year, as they're both these uh, Mississippi high school kids uh, Lot would at least get up to AAA, and he did have some success up there. It is interesting that uh, he kind of stopped playing because at first he was really bad in the minors, um, and then once he gets up to AA, there's some improvement in '93 and then '94, '95, '96. OPS is over 800. Um, it, playing in Albuquerque does help, uh, but he certainly they get more out of Lot than we the Indians got out of Hens. So that's the uh, the first two rounds of the greatest draft in Indians history. One player who didn't sign would go on to become a high pick and then basically become a disappointment for uh, that organization and uh, forfeiting a second-round pick for a 32-year-old reliever. When we come back from the break, uh, we'll talk about why this class did end up being uh, the greatest in Indians history. So you know the deal. Uh, our current sponsor is Postmates, and at these times in particular, Postmates is a fantastic service because they are going to bring to your door what you need when you need it. Uh, if it's fast food, if it's groceries, uh, if it's uh, some uh, over-the-counter stuff from your local pharmacy, you can Postmate it and they'll bring it directly to you. And you don't have to go and leave your house and you don't have to risk uh, the exposure you would if you're going out which especially if you're someone like me who has asthma, it's, it's a bit of a scary proposition to go out and expose yourself to the, uh, the COVID situation. So take advantage of Postmates. And the current deal we have with Postmates is that for the first seven days, you're going to get $100 of free delivery credit. So to start your free deliveries, you're going to download that app, which you can get for iOS or Android, and use the code Locked On. That's code locked on for $100 of free delivery credit for the first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need from anywhere you want, anytime you need it, Postmate it. Remember, going to our sponsors helps us get more, and uh, we could certainly use some on the baseball end with the baseball season being so up in the air. But let's talk 89 draft. So, where do we start? Well, the third round, the Indians take Jerry DePoto. Uh, probably more well known for his time as a you know a general manager, but uh, he did appear in you know 329 games. He was a, a he went to VCU and was a, an effective left-handed reliever. I, I whenever I look into his numbers, I'm always kind of surprised his career didn't last longer. He didn't get more opportunities because he was able to be effective. He was able to perform well uh, as a reliever. In the fourth round, you have Jesse Levis, who played in over 300 games as a reliable backup catcher for the Indians. Um, and because of the injuries that Sandy Alomar uh, always had, I, we can I've talked about it many times, but I think he just you, when you talk about Sandy Alomar, what people don't realize is there's only like two seasons that he appeared in more than 130 games. He just could not stay healthy to, for the life of him. Jesse Levis was a starter in many of those seasons, more so than Sandy Alomar. 
in your fourth round, and I'm sorry, Levis was the fourth round. Uh, in the fifth round, you get Alan Embry, who a lot of hype on him, and you can find places where he was listed as like a top 20 prospect in all of baseball. Uh, and he was a big part of the what turned into a great deal for the Indians because it kept, you know, one of those deals where you can follow down the line. He was an integral part of that Kenny Lofton deal. Um, you know, everyone was a, a left-hander with his velocity and stuff. Uh, that helped get that deal done. The Indians are then able to re-sign Lofton. But Justice was a very productive bat for them. And then when they traded him away, they end up with Jake Westbrook. So uh, while Embry's overall war is just, you know, not even two and a half, uh, there was value there. So uh, sixth and seventh rounders, not much to talk about. In the eighth round, they take Kurt Lekansik. Now, Lekansik has one of the higher uh, wars of any player in this draft. Uh, 509 games in the majors but he didn't uh, stick around with the Indians because they shipped him away and a straight up deal for Paul Sorrento and Paul Sorrento was uh, you know he was a bomb of the lineup guy but you go and you look at those numbers from back then and you kind of realize that he was a a really good hitter Uh, the average was never going to be high but I think he went over 30 home runs at least once and you know he walked at at a good rate and was an underappreciated player, A, because of the era, and B, because of the team he played on. But Curtis Lekansik is how the Indians were able to go out and acquire him. And, you know, that's that's something to keep in mind, on top of the fact that, you know, Lekansik had a war of 12.1. So the definite value, especially as an eighth-round pick and uh, LSU pitcher at the time. So, uh, you know, a well-known school, well-known program. In the 11th round, they failed to sign Kelly Stennett, who was a Juco player at that point in time. The 13th round, they strike gold. They find a, uh, a shortstop at the small Illinois Central College uh, named Jim Tomey. Now, Tomey had been draft eligible in 88, but no one drafted him, and that's why he ended up going to the Juco route. He had been undersized. He was 6'2", 175 as a high schooler. And he grew into himself uh, a little bit at the JUCO, but just continued to get a bit bigger and stronger uh, after being drafted. But getting a Hall of Famer in the 13th round, uh, a guy who went completely undrafted. And this is back when these drafts just kept going until teams said we're done. So uh, when I was looking into the 1990 draft to look about Sam Hens, the 1990 draft went 100 rounds. Now, you didn't sign those guys, and you definitely probably didn't even sign half that class. But the 1990 draft went 100 rounds deep. So someone like Tommy getting passed on means no one even decided he was worth a flyer as a high schooler. So the Indians get him in 89, and he reaches the majors by 91. That's a pretty quick move for a guy who was essentially drafted as a freshman in college. And I don't think I really need to talk about Jim Tomey. You know Jim Tomey. Uh, 16th round, they draft Mike Potts. They're unable to sign him, and he would eventually go on to play 24 games in the majors. 17th round, another big hit. Uh, Brian Giles, uh, part of the many terrible deals that John Hart made trading away uh, hitters for pitchers. Um, You can just, you know, I already talked about Jeremy Burnett's on this podcast. We can talk about Sexton and Burnett's and all the other ones. Um, that did not work out, but Brian Giles and Jim Tomey alone are worth 
124 uh, wins. I mean, that's going to give your class a huge uh, heads up. But, I mean, DePoto's were 6. Lacansic worked 12. You keep going down the list. Uh, they signed Robert uh, Pearson. Robert Pearson would go on to appear in over 200 games between the uh, as a starter and as a reliever in the, the majors. Be an effective uh, player for the Phillies at his peak. Um, the Indians traded him away for Grady Hall, and I think I've tracked that series of, of trades and maneuvers. Grady Hall didn't turn into anything, unfortunately, as one of those sad deals where they get the with the issues the Indians had finding pitching, they gave away a pitcher um, and got nothing in return, and Pearson would never pitch in the majors with Cleveland. But another solid uh, pick there in the 25th round um, out of uh, Seminole Community College, which was also where Kelly Stennett had been playing. So they clearly had heavily scouted that one. Uh, You go down, they didn't sign Billy Brewer, but he was drafted in the 26th round out of Dallas Baptist. Bill Wirtz uh, out of Ohio State. He would get uh, a bit of time in the majors. I just remember him as... One of those interesting arms the Indians had in their minors uh, that was just one of those names to know. There was in the, in Wirtz was in the 31st, 32nd. You have James Hurst who would get some time in the majors. Who They signed Andy Sheets in the 33rd who they did not sign who would go on to have a long career as a utility player appearing in over 350 games. And that kind of ends it out overall war for the entire class signed and unsigned players was a 154.2 it's a really strong class yes when i say 154.2 124 of that is two players and then of that leftover 30 12 of it belongs to one player so if you pull out the top three uh, it's not as strong, but I mean, frankly, what's left still beats a, a large number of Indians draft classes. The Indians have some draft classes where the, the war value is negative, where if they had not drafted anyone, they would have gotten more value out of it. Uh, that happened. There were some really bad eras, uh, specifically the Hart Shapiro eras where they seemed to be drafting via dartboard and it did not go well. But at this draft, you have to give them credit. And even if you go forward and you look at something like the Indians 91 draft, because we talked about 90 and even with another high pick, the 90 draft was a disaster. In uh, 91, they would take Manny Ramirez at 13th overall. So that's another class. I know he's not in the Hall of Fame, but he is a Hall of Fame level talent. That class uh, produced a total war of 108. And that's, that's not a terrible class either. When you look at Paul Bird in the fourth, uh, Chad OJ in the third, Herbert Perry in the second, Pep Harris in the seventh, all of them signing, Albi Lopez in the 21st. Uh, that's multiple future major leaguers. And then some of the guys that, weren't, that they didn't sign, like Damian Jackson, they would eventually get later. Uh, Steve Burjoice didn't turn into much, but he made it to the majors. Jed Hansen, same story there. But you can have a, uh, a Hall of Fame level talent, and the rest of the class uh, isn't going to be quite up to the challenge. Um, like I said, in this class, you don't have that Brian Giles 
type player, but Bird is worth more than Lacansic. Uh, then you, you can start flipping forward to something like 92, uh, where, you know, we talk about Calvin Murphy was the 11th overall pick, and Tim Costco was 8th overall, and Manny Ramirez is 13th overall. 92, they had the second overall pick and decided to take a reliever. Um, and I don't mean just because he became reliever. He was a reliever at the time. And that was Paul Shuey. I mean, everyone knew Phil Nevin was going to go one. He had been a, a complete stud in college. He would become some ups and downs, would have some strong seasons. Uh, Derek Jeter was not someone they were going to have a chance to sign. That's a fun one because you look at Calvin Murphy. He went seventh, not eighth overall, but the Indians had the second pick that year. Calvin Murphy goes seventh. I mean, it's not a strong draft. I, I remember looking at my Chad Mulata rookie cards and Jeffrey Hammonds was going to be a future star. Um, I always remember hearing reports at the time. It was probably through like Jeff Sindelar or someone on the radio that uh, the Indians really liked Hammonds, but they weren't willing to pay him, and that's how they ended up with Shuey. But it's, you know, Charles Johnson gets drafted in this class by the Marlins. Uh, Johnny Damon ends up being a big value pick kind of late. But it's Shannon Stewart, another name. So, there, I mean, there's some players. Brick Helling, Jason Kendall. It was a good draft, and the Indians get Paul Shuey taking a reliever second overall. Because baseball drafts were weird then, and nobody even knew what was happening with them. And there was no, um, there was no one out there to criticize. No one was going to complain about a, a bad baseball draft because nobody was paying attention. They're uh, just kind of remotely paying attention now. But... Uh, after the NFL draft, I thought we should could have some fun. Look at the '89 draft. Uh, the '92 draft was um, the first for Hart, and you can just you know '93. The Indians still are not good, so they're picking. Oh, I kind of got everything out of order here, but uh, the '93 draft because it's not until. I mean, they're better in 93, let's put it that way. So they're picking 11th, and it's a good old Darren Kroquette out of uh, Cal. And, I mean, you just go through the list, and it's, for me, it's always like, man, and then Casey Witten out of Indiana State, and then Travis Driscoll. I remember Travis Driscoll. <laughs> you know, it's, it's things like that. You go through uh, Steve Klein being the best pick, and he was someone that they gave away. I'm sorry, Steve Klein's the second best pick because you have Richie Sexton in there. Uh, they draft Dave Roberts, but can't sign him. You know, teams do kind of know those guys they miss on, and sometimes they do circle back. Uh, I mean, Kevin uh, Deenan, seeing him in there, I'm like, I remember watching him pitch in the minors. Um, or reading about him pitching in the minors, I should say. Um, it, it is kind of a fun thing for someone like me to go back and look at this i'm sure many of you did not uh, religiously read um every single word in the uh it was like maybe like the sporting news would do like a a 40 or 50 minor league deep per, per team report on every single team and i would buy that book and um not lying to say i read front to back at least three to four times or in the old uh athlon Athon books, you know, where it'd be like a team and it also have their top prospects. Uh, I would read those through probably like 10 or 15 times. Uh, different era, but it means there are names that just kind of live in the back of your head because you read that person's report so many times and you're like, huh, this is interesting. I've never heard of him and you never would hear of them again. I 
hope you've enjoyed this little trip down memory lane. 89 draft, fantastic. Uh, it's all Hank Peters, all of those drafts. We talk about the Manny Ramirez draft, which is the 91 draft, is you know top five draft as well for the Indians. Uh, that's all the, the Hank Peters era of the Indians, and it's when they actually started to figure things out. Um, I need to go look top of my head. Is it like 86 is the Swindell draft? Swindell? That's uh, not his name. Uh, Greg, you know who I'm talking about, the left-handed pitcher who they took second overall. Uh, that was another strong draft in there in that 80s period. But, uh, yeah, it's, like I said, I figured we could have some fun with drafts. Let us end it there. I hope you enjoyed this trip down draft lane in honor of the NFL draft occurring right now. Uh, as always, remember to rate and review, listen, download, subscribe, all that fun stuff. Let's keep the numbers moving up. Thank you. You are always a fantastic audience, and I appreciate each and every one of you. And as always, go Tribe!